0: Actually, it was a few months ago. Pastor Priscilla and I was were in our counseling session because we we I say counseling, you say therapy. Therapy feels a little strong for me. It feels
1: strong.
0: Yeah. It does. Um, and
1: I, what is
2: it, Jessica? Is it counseling? Is it counseling or, it's, counseling or therapy? It's actually psychotherapy. Uh, oh. <laughs>
0: So, if you're new here, give us another chance next week. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Consider we was in it. That's good to learn. Yeah, I
0: don't, I don't know. Um, and and, and we, we were finishing up one of our sessions. And I think you mentioned something about um, us doing this. And, and Jessica was like, oh, that would be great if y'all preach together around relationships. And I'm sitting like, we're in counseling for relationships. Are we ready?
1: Are we ready?
0: Yeah. Um, and so, so just the more that we thought and and prayed and planned, we were like, man, we, we have to bring in our counselor, um, to just have her share with us, have her share with you guys, some of the things that she shared with us to help us. Um, and so we were talking backstage and like, this is the only person that we both pay and come back to, to, To even though she makes us mad, makes us cry, very rarely makes us laugh. She
1: doesn't make us cry. Yeah,
0: she kind of does.
1: She's super, you guys are going to get a feel of her, but she like super like ask the right questions.
0: Yeah. And then
1: it makes you think all deep and that makes you
0: cry. (laughs) Yeah. So she knows all of our deepest, darkest secrets. So after service, we're going to let y'all just wave to her, but you can't ask her any questions. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, But Jessica, we are so thankful that you're joining us today and and talking with us, um, talking with all of us a little bit about Counseling and, and relationships and so would you just start by introducing yourself and telling everybody a little bit about you and your story?
2: Yeah, it's really good to be here. Thank you guys for having me um, So I'm a licensed professional counselor Also a psychotherapist if you want to call him that therapist counselor. We're a lot of different things, but um, I Graduated actually from Oral Roberts University with uh, my undergrad degree. Who's that? Yeah, what's up? I loved hearing souls of fire up here (laughs) earlier. It was awesome. That's an ORU joke. It's an ORU. Um, (laughs) Yes, and then I also um, graduated there from my master's degree. I studied um, music and psychology, uh, double major in undergrad, but that was only so I could play a 30 minute or hour long recital um, instead of writing a 63 page paper. That was oh, the only reason. That's a good move. Yes. Just so she's, she's I tell you how smart she she she's smart paper. I was she, smart.
0: She is she is 3 steps ahead of the yeah. game. She just
2: played a song. Yeah, I just Instead got to of play. Paper. I got to play. That was easy. So then um I studied in my master's degree, uh Christian counseling and marriage and family therapy. Um two master's degrees just because I needed the extra classes, not because I'm extra smart. Um and then in my training um in grad school, I worked in a private practice kind of setting, uh, working with the students um, at the the campus counseling center. And then when I graduated, um, I worked in, I continued a private practice kind of setting, but also had to get lots of hours to get my license. So I worked at a mental health hospital several times, inpatient, outpatient. I worked with everybody from little four year olds to 90 year olds. I think past 90, you're too wise for counseling, so you're good. Um, (laughs) But then um, I, I I had mostly a couple jobs at a time. I worked with all kinds of issues. And then I finally settled with just private practice. I've been in it for 10 years. And I've worked with families, teens, parenting issues, couples. And I have to say, my favorite is couples.
0: I thought you were going to say we were your favorite. Me too. Well, I was
2: getting ready. I Pretty much. That's yeah! it. ah,
1: it's because we make her laugh at least once a session. Or okay. maybe it's because yeah. we've come the farthest. I don't know. Either way. It's oh, that. that. <laughs> we way. still got a ways, y'all. We still got a ways. But, okay, so we sent her a couple of questions that we thought were pretty common um, when it comes to definitely Christiani- Christianity and therapy. Um, Because definitely in the black community, there's a huge stigma against uh, when it comes to getting help. Um, And there's been so many conversation around it, around, well, considering uh, when we were enslaved and then trying to navigate out of that generation after generation, and then the aggressive nature of even how some of the relationships used to be, some still being, and so with that, Part of my motivation in being excited about you being here is to try to debunk some of those things because I've seen it definitely make a difference with us and in my own life. So, and I
0: think that also applies to men especially.
1: Definitely, definitely. You know, definitely. the stigma
0: of, oh, I'm not going to a counselor. I'm not going to a therapist. Mm-hmm. Definitely not going to a psycho, whatever, whatever <laughs> you said earlier. Um, and so, so I'm excited for you to help us see how this will benefit Uh, not just African American community, but also the guys. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, everybody. I would say, uh, so let's go into the next question. When do you know you need help? Because I think a lot of times, one person may feel like in the relationship they needed more than the other. When is it for, would you say, okay, we need to get help now? What does
2: that look like? And is it the same for everybody? So this might be uh, a several part answer, um, multi-level. But in my opinion, as a therapist, I feel like everyone benefits from therapy. And to me, when, you're, when things are going well, I think it is a good idea to just have a therapist, if you have the resources for that, to just maintain and make sure that you're on the right track, you're processing things well. So what you don't want to do is go get counseling when that's your last resort. And I get a lot of people in my office that come in and they say, look, we tried everything but this, and you're it. So basically, if this doesn't work, we're getting a divorce. <laughs> that sounds like that would happen a lot. It does happen a lot because a lot of times the spouse is just trying to drag their partner into therapy, and then they won't um, go until things are just like, look, it's, I'm, I'm leaving. And at that point, both of you are so dug deep in your ways and angry and resentful at each other, that it's going to be a lot harder to get out of in therapy Um, and your counselor is not the one that does the work, you do. So by then it can often be way too late because everybody's, both the people are waiting on each other to make the move to work and change and so you're just too angry. I think before you get to that point, it's a good idea to look for a resource. And if it's not a therapist, if you can't afford it, because usually they cost money. um, Finding a mentor, an older couple mentor is a really good idea just to be sure you're talking to them, confiding them, hanging out with them. Um, Pastoral counseling is a very good option. And being able to just check in with them if you have conflict issues, if you have relationship issues. When you really need help beyond that, I would say is when it's chronic when you just can't communicate without arguing with each other.
0: What about an individual? It's not a, like, personally, I've had some guys say, hey, I, I think I might need counseling or somebody's told me I need counseling. Mm-hmm. Like, individually, how do we know whenever it's time for that?
2: I like to say that if you imagine that you can sit on a couch in a closed private room with a therapist where you can basically word vomit anything and everything, and if you feel like you wouldn't have anything to say, you probably don't need counseling. Mm. But it seems like, and I asked that question, many of us would say, I actually might have a little something to say. Um, but you could always grow. So, uh, if, again, if it's not a counselor, just having a mentor is a very good idea.
0: Yeah, that's so yeah. good. When you said... because. Um, what we do in, in our premarital counseling, we'll say like, hey, once you get married, it's probably a good idea to come back like six months in and let's kind of have a check-in. Now, nobody does it. Like no, I think Aww. in the 10 years, I don't, I think maybe one or, and I don't know if I'm going call anybody out. I think maybe, maybe a couple have actually come back and been like, yeah, let's, uh, not, because, not because of problems, like, hey, you said let's check back in. I think a couple have. Um, There's something that, that I think it was Andy Stanley, somebody said, they said, you you need to not just be able to figure things out when they're wrong, but you need to know why things are going right. Because if you don't know why things are going right, once they go wrong, you have no idea how to fix them. Mm -hmm. That kind of reminds me of like, hey, even if things are going good, it's a good idea to do that. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. So the big point in me for the, with me for this is what Jessica's saying is not just if you're at a point where you're ready to leave or you feel like you're going crazy or it's like this, but if you want your plans to line up with God's and succeed then counseling is not going to hurt. And if you get, especially guys to say like, Hey, how can I pray for you? We just did this Saturday, yesterday morning. Um, yesterday morning, every one of the guys said, hey, some form of, I need some wisdom, I need some clarity. I want to make sure my plans line up with God's and I can hear God's voice and know what he wants me to do. Counseling is a great way to make sure you stay on that, that path. Well, I would definitely say in terms of
1: clarity about your plan, of course the hearing from God, you know, the counselor can't necessarily do that. But I think this kind of takes us into the next conversation or the next question about, Um, Getting out of the weeds, you mentioned that it can be a bit um, tough once you hit a point of, if this doesn't work, we're done, um, and then show up in counseling. So what if someone feels like they have some issues that are serious? You know, at least one person in the relationship are like, this has to be resolved. I can't keep feeling this way. We have to talk to someone because they still want to fight for their relationship. One, would you say still show up or not and then second um how do you start to walk out of the weeds you know what are some of the things that or approaches you take and maybe trying to help them walk out of uh some of the the serious issues they may have and need to do the work in
2: was that first part a question yes
1: to show up should they come or not well yeah okay i think they always,
2: always should come yeah um Definitely, even if your, your spouse does not, just refuses to come, you can definitely make a big difference in coming yourself. Whether that's the difference of hopefully restoring your marriage, or it's simply the difference of you restore you and you grow from it. Um, we could all use that. And definitely feels great to go talk to a counselor or someone. To help when you're in a bad relationship and your spouse won't come so second part uh, getting out of the weeds i see that as you know if you just picture yourself just having to hack away at one big thing after another that's in front of you and blocking your whole vision from the bigger picture that's what we tend to get tangled up to in relationships and that's the everyday little issues that's and even if they they could be big issues too it can be a tree in your way you're just busy hacking away at that tree and I like to help people see that those weeds are just symptoms of a bigger problem if you can get a bird's-eye view of the problem if you see it as these weeds are the content the content is you said that and i said this and then you said that and that's why I did this right that's content we could get we could spend hours and hours and hours and hours talking about the he said she said back and forth but the bird's-eye view is the process and that's usually the bigger problem the bigger problem is the predictable choreographed dance that you guys have um, what tends to happen when when um, I'm reacting to that what's that about why am I doing that what can I predict that you'll do when I do this what tends to be the familiar dance that just basically repeats itself looking different ways. And so the bird's eye view is that process, getting out of the weeds and looking at, okay, what's going on here? And you can know you're improving when you're able to go quick, more quickly to see the bird's eye view and seek to understand yourself and the other person when you're not so stuck in the weeds and you're able to both just kind of zoom out and say, okay, wait a second, that's what's happening right now. We understand ourselves and we understand what's going on right now. And this is how we need to get out of it right now. Um, and usually when you work on that bigger problem, the, the process issue, you'll find that naturally the content problems sometimes go away completely, but definitely reduce. Okay, so let's
1: practicalize that. I'm trying to think of one of our issues. I don't know. Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Let's pick one. You know, I don't care. We say... Okay, so... um,
0: This is the part I've been nervous about.
1: (laughs) Oh, is it? Because I'll just say our issue. Okay, so let's use one of the issues. Um, Me retreating. So uh, something that we... Discovered in um, our relationship. And one of the things that had us really dig deeper in going to counseling is because um, Pastor Evan was going through a really rough season, um, you know, just stuff pastors go through, being lied on, talked about, all these different things. And it was impacting him in a really difficult way. And so because of that, I felt like he was acting different, and I felt like I was getting the brunt of his negative feelings inside. That's so
0: nice. She said she felt like it. Like it might have happened, might not. It happened.
1: (laughs) And so because of that, what I didn't realize is, well, I knew I had started to retreat. So I had a certain place I would sit, I would read, I would do whatever because I had gone into survival mode, and I didn't really know it. And when I talked to Jessica, the question she asked me was helping me to not be focused on everything he did that hurt me. Instead she helped me focus on, okay, this might have happened, let's zoom out. Why does this hurt you? And not that it shouldn't have or should have. It was let's understand why is this triggering you. And so what I came to realize is because of the home life I had where the dominant figure in our house was so aggressive and even abusive, I retreated all the time growing up. And so those same triggers were happening in my house in a much lesser way, but it didn't matter. It still triggered me the same way. And therefore, we can't resolve anything if I'm retreating and he's acting out. So what she had to help us do, like she said, was kind of come away from that. they did this, I did this, they did this, and go bigger and say, okay, let's understand why are you acting out, why are you retreating, and then I need you guys to start caring for each other in a different way and looking at each other in a different way. Did I summarize that? That was beautiful. Okay. All right. So that's kind of an example of kind of coming out of the weeds when we can, by instinct, When he does something or I do something, if I do something, he's not focused on, well, you did this, so I'm doing this, right? That's still in the weeds. It's reactionary.
0: But I think there's also been times where she's helped us come out of the weeds and we didn't even know we were in the weeds. Like that one session where it was all about my childhood and at the end, Yeah, she was like, "Yeah, maybe your childhood wasn't as great as you thought it was."
1: Right? He was like, like, "Yeah, yes, it was. It was amazing when my mom left
0: me at daycare for four hours and never came and picked me up. That was."
1: He was like, "I spent my whole senior year by myself. It wasn't neither one. I lived by myself my senior year. You were neglected. (laughs) It was great." Okay, she
0: might watch this. So let's move on. Um, (laughs) But, 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 like, she, she. Hell, and, and, and I, I can hear some guys be like, okay, well, like that's not that deep. This is the psychotherapy stuff that like, no, she didn't harp on it to the point where like, oh, Evan, you had a horrible childhood and now you're this broken man. No, but like, let's realize that some of these things have impacted us in ways that I had no idea. And I thought were like super funny, amazing memories and like have shaped um, who I am and how I, I interact with Pastor Priscilla. One of the things that you've talked to us a lot about that I'd love for you to explain to everybody is being responsible to someone versus being responsible for someone and how uh, this impacts the role of each person in the relationship.
1: And can I speak to that? Because I know the kind of marriages model for me as a young person were, uh, were scripturally sound so I thought. So growing up, it was the woman takes care of the kids, home, everything. I guess people would maybe define it as a traditional marriage. The husband has full dominant reign, whatever he says goes. He doesn't have to respect her. These are things I, I saw model. And then when I got into the word more, I came to realize, oh my goodness, it's completely even. Like <laughs> it's not even supposed to be this way. The Bible specifically tells him, don't dominate and be aggressive within your house, like plain out. Um, so when we start talking to you, like Pastor Evan said, and you start digging into boundaries, I didn't exactly know where to, that started and stopped, got it wrong a couple times. So to his point, can you share with us what boundaries are in the two and four type of dynamic?
2: Yes. So these are not coined by me. Um, I would credit if anyone, um, Townsend and Cloud for writing their book boundaries and some of these concepts are in there. And by the way, if you have not read Boundaries, I tell my clients that that is the number two book to the Bible, second to the Bible, that you should get and read for your life. It is just really great um, and it's very biblical. In fact, Jesus was the most boundaried person ever, naturally. He was never responsible for others he wasn't, he was responsible for himself. He was responsible to others, and I'll explain that, but he was never responsible for, he's not responsible for what we do. He gives, right. He gives us autonomy. He, he facilitates and lays out as a helper guide, look, this is what I offer, but this is your choice. And you know what? Your choice isn't going to make me just lose sleep. I'm going to cry. Um, I'm going to keep, Standing there, and I'm going to be waiting for you, but I'm not going to go and destroy the world because you're choosing this because I'm angry. Right? But I'm going to always be here, and you pretty much you can turn around and he's always there. Um, so I don't know if you'll have that visual aid I gave, but yeah, that might yeah. help. Um, as I explained, the responsibility two versus four.: um,
0: It's going to be behind you, though. Oh. Or maybe on this screen. No.: oh, you can't fine. give it up. Oh, OK. We'll get it up in second service. Yeah,
2: later. That's okay. That's okay. Um, So being responsible for people, that is actually human nature, I think. Most people, I give them this chart, and I say, okay, when you're responsible to people, this is what it looks like. And when you're responsible for people, this is what it looks like. And it lists these feelings and these actions that you do, like when I'm responsible for people um, or I expect people to be responsible for me, um, I will be manipulated. I may manipulate. I feel controlling. I need to control. I feel resentful, tired, anxious. Um, And this is responsible to or for? This
1: is the for. When you feel responsible for someone, these are the feelings.
2: Yes. I ask people, where do you find yourself on this chart? People say they identify with the responsible for um, side of it more naturally. Um, it's human nature to, to want to control people and make sure that things are okay. And, and, and we feel like our real responses are because of them or their responses are because of us. And so we cater to people. Um, we expect people to live up to our expectations. Is that healthy? Is it? Is it, Priscilla? Oh,
1: no. she
0: <laughs> 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 She's
2: going into the
1: therapy. I'm okay, you keep,
2: going. You keep <laughs> going. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, um, to expect others to live up to our expectations um, or else. You know, or we, we feel pressured to live up to their expectations. We tend to put uh, a, a feeling of inadequacy on others. Um, we don't realize we're doing this, obviously. You're not running around just like, trying to shame people, but it's part of our nature. So what people have, a, have to work toward, and it takes more effort and awareness of self, is to be more responsible to people. While all those things about you're being responsible for, that's you, that's you. You're responsible for your reactions. You're responsible for your actions. You're responsible for how you let something get to you, but then also understanding why it gets to you. Um, You're responsible to others in the way of, you are a helper guide. You are a equal partner, separate, open, and equal to others around you. Um, You trust that they've got it. They can handle it. You'll, You'll have a boundary of, this is what I'm willing to do and not willing to do, and this is what I'm going to allow you to be in control of. Um, You allow for failures and those consequences to happen for others. Um, You trust in their resiliency. You feel a lot more peace and freedom, too. And and it seems like an easy answer when people realize this, that, oh, I can do those things and it's loving. I can do that and I'm still a loving person, a loving spouse, because it feels really good. So it can't be right. I've got to feel burdened, right? but it is a really liberating feeling to be able to let someone go while you're a separate person working on yourself. And you're more focused, whether than, rather than expecting others to live up to your expectations, your focus is solely on your own self-growth. That's hard.
1: Definitely was hard for me because I didn't realize how much, and I still struggle with the being responsible for Um, and it's not so much at, in our home life than in our church life, because when you are a married couple and you lead together in any capacity, um, it can add more pressure, I think. But in our church life, there was a responsible for that. I still struggle with sometimes. And that's, I think caused the greatest tension in our relationship hands down. (laughs) <laughs> so to practicalize if that's a word what can you just be. said okay we're going to make that a word today. yes okay so in being responsible two and four I'll pick another issue so let's say that um, I want something to happen so I want him to and I'm just going to pull something that's common I want him to uh, pray with his family every morning this is not an expectation I have of him but I'm a a lot of women want to see a spiritual lead, so they may, this may be one of their things. I want to see him lead us in prayer. I want to see him do these type of things with us. So it's right, it's okay that I say, because I have to say it, that this is what I expect. Am I still okay?
2: I haven't done anything wrong. It's, and I like to say, if you were to say, this is what I prefer, this is what I I wish for. The expectation yeah. might put like a like something on the hook, right. But being able to say, this is what I prefer. Whether or not he does it isn't up to you. Got it, because that
1: crosses the boundary of being responsible for them or to them. So if he decides I'm not gonna lead everybody in prayer or I'm not gonna do this thing, then I would have feelings, right? As the wife or woman, you'd have feelings like, gosh, I'm disappointed, I'm frustrated, I'm angry. What do you do with that?
2: How do you process that in a healthy way? So that is where you have to be responsible for you and your response to that. You can be really creative with that. Whatever you feel like you need to do, whatever your boundary is. But if you understand, step back and understand that you're not going to be able to make him pray with your family, and you're not going to be able to make him want to pray with your family. In fact, that's probably not what you want. Right? Yes. For him to pray with the family, and he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Pastor Priscilla said, we got to pray now. So we're going to do this now every day. Um, that's not you're going to be mad, right? You're just going to be more mad. Yeah. But You're like, now you're half doing it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that so, happened to us once. She told us to go and pray together, and I went, and I was like, all right. That Lord. was like
1: year two of marriage. We're about to hit 15. But yeah. That no, did I'm happen. talking about with Jessica
0: when she was like, y'all need to go pray together. And I went in there like, all right. <laughs>
1: She's like. After we get off the phone, In
0: Jesus name, amen. <laughs> that's that's real. Like that that wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't.
2: So much. I'm glad you did though. <laughs> um, but I didn't expect it, and I wasn't mad if you didn't. Um, but anyway, you're you're responsible for uh, being the wife that you want to be. I like to say, picture the marriage you want. Picture the fantasy of your spouse like what if he was the or she was the person that you long for them to be and you have this lofty dream of who they would be and they're not never will be but they are in your head who would you be what kind of spouse would you be what would you be doing what would you be saying how would you treat them how would you feel and the challenge is to be that spouse no matter what, no matter what they're doing. And you're busy then working on your own self. So in the context of he won't pray with the family and he's he's let you know, that's his boundary. Okay, no, I, and this isn't real, but I um, have let you know what I prefer and I've given you the ability to say you will or won't and just let me know, I have informed consent. He says no. I'm responsible then for deciding how I'm going to handle that while being a responsible wife and mother. If what I wish for is my husband to lead us spiritually and pray over our family, and he's not going to do it, what am I responsible for then as his wife to continue to be in this marriage? And how do I have the family that I want to have? What do I need to do now? If I want him to pray do I just go and pray with the children you have lots of options what you want to Are do. You, you're praying for
1: him to get the courage or maybe you go to a counselor and try to understand why he has a fear or a lack of desire maybe in that area
0: but you also first Peter where you win him with your actions mm-hmm. by your pure conduct so um, most of the time, especially in this scenario with a guide saying like, you need to do, you need to, like, if you get it, you're not going to want it. But the, the, I mean, the scripture tells us that you win us, not just to the Lord, but win us to things um, that are more holy and righteous and even more desirable for you by your conduct, by your level of respect and honor and and those kind of things.
2: That's very true. Um, Whenever you're modeling that, and when you get off, each other's back about something, you'll, you'll often be amazed at what your spouse realizes on their own yeah. without you yapping in their ear all the time.
0: Yeah,
2: Because they're just busy fighting you off and being defensive. That's human nature. Anybody would. What if you had somebody behind your back just like, you know what, you need to do that. You just be always defensive and no, I'm not going to do that, you know. But if you don't hear that, you all you hear is your own feedback. Oh, and you're you're like reacting to your spouse while they're just in this new function of, whoa, they're not they're not responding the same way. They're not mad at me. They're not nagging me about it. Not oh, this off. Did it? Yeah, there, there you it. go. Um, they're not bothering me anymore about it. Well, now I can get my own feedback from what I'm happy with and not happy with, um, and now I, they'll talk to you. Yeah, because you're not on their back. They're not on your back, and you're they're hearing their own like, their own conscience and um, conviction instead of of being led by what you think all the time. Yeah.
0: But this also applies to single people, like with their bosses or their coworkers or maybe family members, right? Like I'm responsible for myself. I'm not responsible for them. I'm not responsible um, for how my coworkers talk about me or don't talk about me behind my back. I'm responsible Mm -hmm. for my reaction to them and being a Christian and loving the unlovable and and all of that. Because I got to be honest, when I read the Boundaries book the first time, I was not a fan. I was not a fan at all because I felt like it said, here's my boundary. And if you cross that boundary, I am relieved of responsibility of being who God's called me to be. And, 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 but in more counseling and explanation, you've kind of talked me off of that ledge and shown me how that's not what it's saying, because it's not, like, especially the guys that, that have been through discipleship. Like, we talk a lot about Ephesians 5, our job as husbands is to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So you can put up this boundary, but apart from a few biblical things, my my role, my responsibility is to love her as Christ loved the church, regardless of her level of respect back to me, regardless of how she, responds. I'm responsible for myself to her, regardless of, again, apart from a few biblical things, what she does.
2: Yeah, I, I love that. And a lot of people, yes, they feel like boundaries are just cold. And some people misuse them badly, just cut people out of their life, and they just have no regard for how the other person feels about what they do, because it's, well, you're responsible for how you felt just now when I was a complete jerk, you know, and that's just no ownership. so far from the truth. Yes, that's not being responsible to anyone. Yeah. Right.
0: Man, that's so good. Jessica, we're, we're out of time for this first, first service. How can, how can anybody that may want to um, connect with you or the New Life Council, how can they find you guys? I didn't get
1: to ask you, how do you find the right match for you because all therapy is not created equal? We didn't even get to ask that. Which is a, probably a good question, because everybody can't come to you, right?
2: Yeah. Um, you're not going to find any good counselors outside of New Life Counseling Center. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. I always encourage people to shop around. I mean, if you don't feel like um, you have a good connection with a therapist, just go to a session, meet them, get, the, get an idea of how they work, and then um, go see a few others before you set up continued appointments with them. But I work at New Life Counseling Center, it's in Round Rock. And we actually have um, interns there that are in training. They have the same kind of training that I do. We do weekly training, we do group consultations, we make sure that we're definitely ethically sound, but also with our theory. And we combine uh, theory uh, with theology very well. So the interns actually offer a lower price but you get the benefit of having someone that is reporting about your case to their supervisor and getting feedback on what, where to go next. And they're also their group trainer on the theory. So you get a good deal with that, but there's also licensed people like me there. Um, we also offer sliding scale, especially um, especially catering to uh, certain, just whoever, whatever niche each of us feel called to, we tithe 10% of our of our clients to either sliding scale or pro bono. Um, so, if you were to contact newlifecounselingcenter.com, go to go to the website there, and you can look at the bios of the different therapists there. Um, and we have some really great training and really great counselors. Um, there's lots of counselors in the area too. Psychology Today is a really good way to look and just kind of if you have insurance, um, which we don't take, but a lot of counselors do just plug your insurance into psychology today when you search and you'll get a list of therapists and be able to read their bios and everything before you schedule
0: and and we would just us personally we would recommend you see a Christian counselor um, because there's, there's a lot of reasons for that that's training yes.
1: more ju- than just the Bible like I like how yeah. they marry the the theory with theology that's critical yes. Yes. so they have certain ways that they walk you out of it that guaranteed result yeah. if you do the work that's
2: true yeah
0: well if you enjoyed today's podcast there's a couple things I'd love for you to do make sure to subscribe rate and review this podcast we can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.